guy. Could somebody point me in the direction of the Kajun Dome? You're listening to Warm Beer and the Cheap Seats Podcast, WBCS with Big Mike and Casey. Take it away, Big Mike. What's happening, everybody? It's Big Mike. It's Friday, and we're here to do it again. We got a great show for you, and Melissa, it's the Cajun Dome. But we'll call it the Kajun Dome if you want. I got Kajuns for you. We got a great show for you. We, we're going to talk about some undersea technology. We got the great, great old-time baseball segment, New Fresh Mordecai Brown. Doo-doo Brown. Brown. Subway Slam's got a new list for us. We got Big Ed's Rock and Roll Retrospective. And you got us here on Warm Beer in the cheap seats. Tell them what we just did. What did we just do? Pay out. We ate. After that. We mm-hmm. ate cookies. What am I missing? Yeah. Maybe we'll tell them later. Okay. Okay. It's a secret. Well, Starts secret to me. E and it ends with the accolading. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. No? This is a family Well, show. all right. What, what she's referencing is... <laughs> You know, these two knuckleheads want to... Hi, I'm Casey. You're listening to Warm Beer and the Cheap Seats, WBCS. For, for those people just tuning in, uh, we're Big Mike. We've got Sweet Melissa, the MC. And we're going to be joined by Subway Slam and uh, Big Ed when he gets back from the Montecito. So uh, tuning in. Uh, these two knuckleheads uh, want to just shoot their load before the show. <laughs> Uh, talking about topics, and I'm like, no, 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 save it, cork it for the show, cork it, cork it. So, we were referred to as premature ejaculating (laughs) our show topic. They just get too excited, they edge themselves. (laughs) (laughs) There goes the show, and then they're useless. Hi, big Ed. Yeah, then they're napping. Yeah. Have a smoke, get a cookie, call it a night. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to the night night. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad way to end your day, but it just doesn't make good podcast material. No. So, so we corked it. Yes. You pinched it. Pinched it off. Pinched it to off. save it for everybody listening to us right now, out in podcast land. Yeah, it's good to be back, guys. I needed, I needed that uh, twenty. You needed that that little. I took, a, I, took a, I checked out that day. I took a mental health. Jimmy <laughs> Mike came to town. <laughs> um, hi, Lady Jill, who's joining us on the message board. Hi, Jill. Glad to have you aboard. You know what? Uh, why don't we start with uh, the old time baseball, and we'll get into obviously I would the topic to. of the week. But all right, so Big Ed, you were gone last week, and I brought up, uh, and I don't even know how I got in the topic, but I was just kind of telling Mike I enjoy the history of the dead ball era of baseball, and I was kind of describing some. And dead ball era was like around nineteen hundred to nineteen twenty is that definition. Um, and and again, I, I was doing some more research because I, I wasn't expounding on 
which they define the dead ball. So, um, you know, baseball was an evolutionary sport coming out of the um, 19th century into the 20th century. Uh, the formation of the American League to challenge the National League. Um, and and then there was another league later on, the Federal League, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, there was another – there was a third league in the 20th century called the Federal League, uh, and we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, foul balls used to mean nothing in baseball. Hmm. So if you're – you know, the counts one and one mean one ball, one strike. You got a foul ball. The count stayed one and one, where now it would be – a strike. A strike. One one ball, two. So it, it favored the uh, pitchers. It actually sped up the game. So uh, guys would chip at the ball to, you know, uh, foul them, stay alive and not get a strike or whatever. Um, the type of ball, the construction of the baseball was, it was a dead baseball in itself. Meaning it, uh, the core it was, was different than it, it was core. It was very soft. It did not explode off the bat. Plus, it's probably the type of bats they used to. Um, but they would use the same ball till it literally unraveled. They would never change a baseball during a game. Uh, un, no, well, until like in 1920, because what would happen? Um, these balls would get scuffed and this and that, and they get muddy, and they got hard to pick up. And a guy got hit and uh, killed in a ball game because he got hit in the head. Oh, wow. He couldn't properly pick up the baseball in time to get out of the way. Uh, So then, uh, again, that's that's the end of, you know, you get into that dead ball era. Um, They had to keep fresh baseballs. They would change them out. If they got dirty, they swapped them out, which now baseball, you know. How How many balls will we go through in an average game now? It's hard to say, but you know, I would um, say about fifty. <laughs> yeah, fifty. That'd be a conservative. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I would be. I would take the over on that one. <laughs> Scuffing and uh, putting substances on the ball was legal. Interesting. So you had guys that had amazing breaking pitches, and uh, also the ballpark sizes were immense. The Cubs' original stadium, their center field was 560 feet to center. Good God. So, yeah, Yankee, the original Yankee Stadium had a deep center field, and they, they walled it in too, you know. Well, uh, that's how the old Comiskey – old Comiskey had a, a center field that was 440, and then they, huh. they moved that in not until like – 1976. How would you like to to be the center fielder for half the year out out there? Yeah. That's a lot of real estate when you're that deep. That's why they played what we would call small ball. Get a guy on base, you bunt, you uh, steal. And, you know, there were guys that – there was a guy that hit 36 triples one year, uh, which, you know, they talk all about like, um, you know, stats will never be broken. Joe DiMaggio is 50. 56 game hitting strike, <clears throat> probably safe. Uh, you know, oh, whatever. So much room to go and get. The yeah, because the, the the fields are so expansive. Uh, 36 triples is not going to get touched. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a guy at like career like 330 something. Uh, but also Ty Cobb, it used to say where the, I think it was like where the Boston Braves played in in Boston Braves field. He he just said there was. There's no way anyone could hit out of that stadium. 
He's like, no one will ever hit home run. It must have been massive. I didn't have the dimensions on. But anyways, last week I talked about uh, uh, Rube, Rube Waddle. Yep. Um, again, should make a movie on that guy. But in mentioning, I was talking about Mordecai Brown. Mordecai Brown should have a movie made about him just with the, because he has the name Mordecai. You mean Mordecai Peter Centennial Brown? Whoa. Centennial. <clears throat> well, that's that's a very regal name. Yes. I mean, it's a hundred of them. Well, some people called him minor. Most people called him th- Three Finger Brown. And part of it had to do with a, a farming accident. Uh, he was feeding, I guess, like an early version of a thresher or something like that. Oh, no. Hand got caught. Uh, hand, hand got caught and mangled. And then uh, a doctor repaired it. And then later he broke the hand again. So one of the fingers, I'm going to show a picture. Oh, wow. Look at that. Mike. Um, so he had a stump for the uh, your pointer, your pointer finger. finger. There was nothing there. And then the next finger. Like uh, your 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 middle finger, the fuck you finger. It, it has was like a, severe. Uh, it, it's crook in it. Yeah, it has a crook to the right. right. He was actually a third baseman by trade originally. Hmm. When he played semi-pro ball, when he came to the majors, um, you know, someone got hurt. He filled in as a pitcher, and the rest is history, as they would say. He pitched lefty or righty? Um, I, wait, hold on. Uh, well, actually, this is the funny thing. He pitched righty, and he's one of the rare pitchers that was actually a switch hitter. Oh. Right. You you never found – I mean, there are rarely pitchers that can hit, but uh, he was a switch hitter. But because of how he can hold the ball, he could get this torque and spin on it. He had an amazing break. Due pitch. to his stub and his crooked middle finger. Yeah, so he had when this curveball that was very considered. To go around the ball. Well, they show in the picture. So, Well, because that stub, he could grip on a way to – when he would come over, he can spin his hand down – it creates so much torque that the ball had so much revolutions that it would just break in a way that guys really had a hard time hitting his pitches. What's interesting, Casey has a copy of the Wikipedia article, yeah. and they actually have a picture of him holding a baseball. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could imagine that thing breaking. You can really – he could get that extra spin on it. You know, he's got the grip of it now. So, kids, this shows you. Just because you're in a, a threshing accident, you can still become a professional ball player. Mm-hmm. They'll call you Mordecai. Use it to your Mordecai. Mordecai. If you suck, they're going to call you Morty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to remember. <laughs> there, there was a, a, a reference from um, uh, trying to f- find it. Uh, John McGraw had mentioned that he was like, one of the top pitchers of the time. John McGraw was a manager of the New York Giants during the dead ball era. Probably the best baseball mind of his generation as far as managers. And he always considered Mordecai one of the best pitchers in the league during this era. And a lot of times he was pitching against uh, Christy Mathewson, who's, I mean, still a legendary pitcher. He's got a lot of records that are going to stand for a long time. He mostly pitched with the Cubs. Um, he was on their World Series team in 07 and 08. And there's actually a book called Crazy Eights. It's about 1908 and how the season ended. It was a very wild pennant. 
for how the Cubs won. They beat the the Giants on the last game. It ended up being the last World Series the Cubs won for 108 years until they won it again in 2016. Anyway, so Mordecai had this career, and um, he had like an injury, and um, actually it was like an illness. He got sick for a while, and then he went to play in another competing major league called the Federal League that was short-lived, and he played there for three seasons. Did the Federal League ever play against the National or American League? No. No, but uh, so they're kind of a standalone league. Yeah, standalone league, and then uh, but it it helped raise uh, salaries because they they had to compete in free agency, and um, anyways, with the, with that said, um, their legacy is actually Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field was built for. The Chicago, I believe they were originally called the Chicago Whales and then later the Chicago Federals, but it was actually built for a Federal League baseball team. The Cubs did not move in until the Federal League folded. Wow, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. So that's like one of the few legacies. And, and, and that's still standing and still tangible to this day. And Major League Baseball recognizes the Federal League as a major league. All those stats that were occurred were – uh, introduced into, uh, if you will, for Star Wars fans, uh, canon. So it's part of the baseball universe. It's recognized. They just never got a chance to compete in the World Series. But Mordecai played uh, up until he was 40. He he was pretty late when he came up. He played semi-pro ball. He was from Indianapolis. Um, you know, uh Elected the Hall of Fame, but, uh, you know, my favorite is there is a Simpsons reference. Probably Big Ed remembers this. The uh, episode when they get the uh, softball team uh, called Homer at the Bat episode. I believe that's from season three. And Mordecai Brown um, was mentioned by Mr. Burns. He he was he – was, uh, he told Smithers he needs to recruit um, – uh, Hannes Wagner, Cap Anson. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted Mordecai like, the, yeah, he wanted ringers. Yeah, that were yeah, all yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he said. He's like, uh, these guys are not only retired, but they're dead. And uh, <laughs> so Mordecai lives in pop culture today. That's pretty awesome. The Simpsons. Um, so I just want to bring a little little history, uh, if we understand the sport, and you know, baseball has changed. Um, you know. Dead ball era, the batting averages were very low. Offense, they were averaging about three and a half runs a game. Hmm. Very low scoring affairs. It was all defense, speed, and pitching. You know, the game changes. Anyways, I digress. Mordecai Brown. Maybe I'll talk about some dead ball era guy next week. We'll see. Casey, I think you should. I think you should. I like this. I want to hear about more of these guys. Well, there is a guy from the dead ball era that I could talk about, and uh, but people probably remember more as a manager. But my namesake played during the dead ball era. Maybe I'll talk about him next week. You should. So stay tuned next week. Yes. Hey, they have the Brooklyn Tip Tops hat online. You can buy them. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there, there's a. Uh, all kinds There's, of memorabilia from that Federal League. Yeah. Yeah, the Federal League's kind of interesting history. Um, 
like four hat designs. See, they they, they went and they had the uh, the Supreme Court got involved in a lawsuit between them and Major League Baseball. Major League Over Baseball. What? what was what? Because they felt Major League Baseball was encroaching on Federal League's ability to expand and grow. And so they tried to sue on the grounds of the Sherman antitrust law, mm. saying that Major League Baseball was a monopoly. And the Supreme Court actually ruled in favor of Major League Baseball, saying it wasn't a monopoly because it had to do with uh, entertainment. Now, they'll, they'll talk about it different, that it's an institution now. But Major League Baseball was ruled as entertainment, thus uh, protected or outside the bounds of the Sherman Antitrust Law, which outlaws monopolies in American business. And they're practically the only institution that's protected today outside of like your utility companies, which are regulated by the government anyways. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, well, listen, that uh, is pretty fascinating. Baseball, um, there, there's a lot of linear history of baseball and where America goes, where you talk about labor re- relations and, you know, uh, business law and stuff like that. So I could bore you to death and I can't wait to do it some yeah. next week with you folks. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Uh, you didn't raise your the, hand. You got to raise your hand no. first. Yeah. Okay, uh, Melissa. The pretty lady up front. Aw, thanks. John McGraw was not related to Tug McGraw. He was also related to Tim McGraw. Well, Tug I, McGraw was Tim McGraw's old man. Right, yeah. but was John McGraw? It doesn't. I I look don't like I don't I don't think there's any uh, relation there. The interwebs. It doesn't look like it. Now, excuse they me. They are not of relation. However, the former senator of florida from the 90s connie mac was related to the baseball connie mac that was the manager owner really? of the uh philadelphia flex yes wow yeah. interesting mm-hmm. that's way more interesting um i don't know if you just said this i hope not because i was like surfing the web if that's still a thing you can say i um, think you can i don't think that offends anybody at this point in time not yet so we can Are say searching the web surfing it or surfing Hang ten, folks. Yeah, I'm surfing. Damn it! That was my next line. I beat you to it. I'm singing some. Cowabunga, dude! Oh, I caramba. But Tug McGraw. I hope you didn't just say that. I saw Tug McGraw pitch. He was very intense. Sure. You got to believe. Yeah. He was a big power lefty. Think of a TV show we love. You know. Believe. Right. About soccer, football. But Tug McGraw was the last big, the last active big league player to have your namesake as his manager. Did you know that? You know, the one we'll talk about later. Huh? Your namesake. Yeah. Was the coach, or the manager of Tug McGraw. And that was the last big player he managed, your namesake. No. Yeah, well, the Wikipedia says so. Um, Casey Stangle? Oh. You, you, you let the cat out of the bag, Big Ed. We're- yeah, but no, no, no. But I'm, I'm trying. Tug McGraw was in, he was like on the 65 Mets. No, he was managed really- by Yogi Berra. 
Yeah. Yeah, he came, He was later with the Mets. He wasn't on those 60s teams. No, this says 70. Yeah. The, 1980 Royals. No, 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 no. It, n- huh? All right. Just, uh, you're looking at individual Royals. All right, all right, Wikipedia all right, making yeah, a yeah, sentence. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll research this later. I, I don't know what she's looking at. 1980 Royals. Uh, Casey Stengel, unfortunately, already passed away. Um, no, no. It says. Never mind. Yeah. It I, says Tug McGraw was the last big league player to have played under. The manager of your namesake. Um, I, I I don't understand that reference. So we'll study Next. that after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, just real quick, real good to see you guys last weekend at the. Oh, it's uh, good Mr. to see you too at the Mister Big Ed Festival. The Mister Big Ed Festival was so much fun. Yeah, Mister Big Ed, we celebrated his ninety years here on Earth. And it yep. was it was a pretty good shindig. I got a, I got a letter from Mr. Big Ed. It's about it, it's it's cl- you know it's classic uh, you know fifty words or less. That's how he writes. He doesn't make a big deal out of. Well, you know, yeah, to the point. And he, yeah. Thank you for this. This is best weekend. I like at the end. He goes, "Thanks for bringing Jimmy, Jimmy Mike." I looked around. He was at another table. Who would fit in anywhere? Love that. <laughs> Yeah, of Mr. Big Ed. Yeah, it was a good day. Just it was a great day. We love talking to Aunt Barb and her man friend. Yeah, Jimmy was a social butterfly. Jimmy knows no strangers. Yeah, Jimmy Mike has really good news. I'm not going to. He told me today. Oh, he's got good news? Yes. Did he save fifteen percent on his auto insurance by switching to Geico? Does I think he's going to be making more than fifteen percent a year. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, he got a good. Yeah, he got that. a good insurance quote. Yeah, that's good. It's maybe, pretty awesome. Maybe he went to Liberty, 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 Liberty. I heard Liberty. a rumor when he was leaving, but I don't know if that has part to do with this or not. Yeah, he got he got that gig. Oh, he's on the Savannah Bananas. Uh, he sent some interesting pictures of Savannah Bananas. They were dressed in like drag. Yeah, they they had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So they had like they had like skirts on. I would like to see them play the Harlem Globetrotters. What sport though? Yeah, Big Ed. Would they? Be, I think you'd have to do a, you know or basketball. I think or is it a to tournament? One of you. It'd be like a four day weekend, you know, a Friday through Monday engagement, two, two, yeah, basketball. two, two base. Yes, basketball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was that guy's name? We lost his yeah. nerve. Oh, the, <laughs> that was the dumbest movie, but it was, it, it, that's what was so great about it. What was his name? Hoops? Who's Something the guy? Like the shoot, it was a, the strangest fucking game. Yeah, that would be awesome. The Globetrotters versus... Wasn't like Bob Costas calling it later? Yes, yes. Bob Costas. By the way, the the Ocho was on ESPN last night, maybe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the Ocho. And they had... Listen to this. This is how we're just looking for anything to air. With Slippery Stairs Championship. What? God is my witness. That sounds filthy. 
Slippery Stairs Championship. I think you have yes. to pay for that. So is it people walking up stairs? There these five fucking jerk offs with these uh, onesies on. I swear to God, and like very, but go look up, go look it up while I'm telling you. No pudding. It's not. It's it's a serious thing to them. Okay, it's like you know the guys, the beanbag guys. You know, it's just that much worse. And they they slime the stairs with this slippery shit. It's probably you know K wire or something like that. And they try to climb these fucking stairs, dude, and get and ring the bell at the top. Okay, that's see. That's they they they've just ruined the Ocho. I don't I don't even want to say the Ocho anymore. I used to like to say the Ocho. They call it the well, Nueve. They they, they 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 have a lot of issues at that channel. See that that slippery they're, stairs. They're, they're just grasping. That's a big reach. I feel like I did. You see it? No, I, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna you're gonna you're gonna go like you're gonna go like four minutes. You're gonna go. Christ, they're still not at the top of the stairs. Change. What a reach! What a reach! And they have two guys hosted it, like play, call on the play by play. Like, like, they call on the plays like they're watching. Up, he made it up to oh, and he slipped, and now he's going down. Oh, and he takes out an opponent, uh-huh. you know, because everyone's covered in fucking ky or whatever the slippery substances, whatever the slippery goo. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'll I'll, fin- I'll end with that. Sorry. Uh-huh. Any, my, any big, my ADD I, just kicked in, you know. Any big news this week? Something about, the news. something about something about something. Yeah, I don't even want to. Yeah. Well, we're well. It's the biggest thing to talk about. Like you, I, I, I know that's. Talk about. This, I, <laughs> I mean, we could talk about that shitty video in Vegas where they're like, "Look, there are aliens exist." And I'm like, um, "Again, no proof in this video." See, they're like, "Okay, well, it's in the tractor." I'm like, "There's nothing in that tractor. There's there a was, cardboard cutout." There was one of my one of the guys hang, I work with. Hang, you know. He's like, "Look, it's on the news." There's aliens. This is like two weeks ago. I'm like, right. I'm like, Juan, fucking aliens. What are you talking about? I saw it on Twitter. I'm like, not a good news source. Not the source I'm yeah, looking definitely for. Definitely not a good news source. Well, look, it's on Fox or some other. There was a credible news source. I'm like, they're probably lampooning it because it was on Twitter. I keep hearing, oh, I saw it on what's that other one? TikTok? Yes. And I'm like, is that a news channel now? TikTok's no, a news no, channel? No, 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 no. TikTok's not a news channel. It's social media. It's just like anything else. No, I don't but know I've seen the video and there ain't shit on there. Um, However, this week, we saw a lot of video, a lot of coverage. Yeah. Well, so these people went, in, a, in case you're uh, a Born on a bayou, you didn't hear about, or, or live under a rock, or don't own a television set, or a smartphone, or living, or talk to people. They were in a, a mini submarine known as a submersible. Mm-hmm. What was this? Uh, uh, okay, so it was Ocean Gate is the name of the company who built it. Okay, the name alone, I'm like, uh, I'm a little. Sketch. It's too close to Heaven's Gate, and it's too. It wasn't certified. Yeah, no shit. But all the but others yeah, that, that go down there are certified. They 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 steered the damn thing with a game controller. No, 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 a bad game so. controller, Logitech. So right there, I would be, you know what, guys? I'm kind of rethinking this. <sighs> all right, so um, 
I, I sent you guys a like a thing, a, a thread on Twitter from the other night where a guy was kind of mentioned it. My thing was uh, the the CEO kind of was like flapping in the wind and kind of laughing at you know at the the universe itself. Like I don't care, I'll cut corners. Safety doesn't matter. Oh. And the irony is. Well, no, the irony is he's going to go look at a ship of the people that built it, cut corners, and... And we're, we're a bit arrogant about... they. I mean, they always said it was the greatest ship they ever built. It was the actually the cheapest, shittiest ship that was ever built. That ship should have just bounced off that iceberg and moved on. Uh, but because it was so cheaply made, the Titanic, uh, the rivets exploded off mm-hmm. of it. Because... They used such inferior material, much like the Ocean Gate submersible. And, and you have a captain that didn't listen. Well, may, maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, yeah, he's, history he's wants to blame the captain, but no, the captain didn't. Go, it, it, it don't matter. If the ship was built the way the ship was supposed to be built per the engineers, they make it to you know New York to New York. But I think the cap- oh no, it don't matter. It had nothing to do with the captain. They the captain's escaped. It was, but it it's was easy to blame failure. him. He's in the bottom yeah. of the fucking Atlantic. You know he along, didn't design- along with the Ocean Gate folks now. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the CEO of Ocean Gate, the submersible, was also the captain. Well, he was on this one. Yeah, I mean, so again, there was an engineering report that came out. You know, poking holes, and it was an engineer who worked for Ocean Gate. Yep, and he was essentially he was a whistleblower, saying this sub submersible needs more testing. It, it was it was not it was not going. It wasn't proved out. Proved out is not the right word, but it 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 wasn't gonna. It wasn't proven to go down that deep. No, he was complaining about the even the glass that they used, the window, that it wasn't uh, pressure tested for, for that depth. And, was this uh, its first voyage, so to speak? No, but uh, they, they had a lot of troubled voyages. Okay, so they just were... But that should have been an alarm bell. Hey, we're having problems with this fucking So there's shit. a guy that does a show called, I think, uh, Destination Unknown. I believe it's on Discovery. And um, he was supposed to go on this last year for the show to go to the Titanic. And, and after investigating and interviewing and seeing the canister, he was like, "No, I'm out." He said, "No, we're we're just we're just gonna do something else." Did I tell you? I think Casey knows, but my great grandfather was supposed to go on the Titanic, and his wife said no. She's like, no, I don't trust it. Yeah, Good but thing. but women never trust anything. So I mean, but that's, you wouldn't have sweet Melissa. Well, that's true. If it wasn't for that woman, right? <laughs> so here, you, here's thank you, Granny. Yeah, here's the problem I have with this too. That this is kind of this is getting off on a tangent, kind of too serious of a tangent for the type of show we have. That's a grave site, man. They're like sightseeing on a grave site. I have a, I kind of have a problem with that. Researching the Titanic or any other shipwreck 
where there's a loss of life, if it's archaeology and researching it to gain knowledge and That's to what Mr. Big Ed said too. Right. And to document history, that's one thing. To make it a tourist attraction, I got a problem with that. People lost their lives there. Many, many, many people. Look, the sky thumbed his nose at the universe. When the Titanic went down, they came up with a lot of protocol maritime law on like sending out a beacon signal and stuff like that. Because part of the thing people forget, all right, so the Titanic goes down and in like record time, a big ship, because it Literally split in half. It split in half. Listen, it was so cheaply fucking made, it split in half. It steel ripped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not steel. Steel's not supposed to just snap in half like a a, a graham cracker. The stern of the ship, when it broke, it popped up. Yep. One part of the ship is like all intact together. Because it went down perfectly down. It's it's really weird. However, I think it's the bow section. I think it's towards the front of the ship is yes. in a little better condition than the, the stern of the ship. Correct. So they create all this protocol for safety. This guy had none of these safety measures and a stupid little uh, tuna can that he's going down in the Which bottom of the ocean. You couldn't wear shoes in. They were barefoot. Yeah. So one of the. There's no way in hell you could have paid me to win it. No, <laughs> Big Ed, you and me both. I, I would have been like, yeah, I'll pass. I've seen a lot of pictures. One of the first things I asked when I found out about this was, was it a suicide mission? And I wasn't kidding. I was dead serious. It is a suicide no mission. Hey, Subway. Subway. Subway Club. Yeah. What's up? Wait, why couldn't oh, you wear sorry, shoes? Then. Sorry, sorry. I don't know. I just. I, I did read an article where uh, those aboard the craft, aboard this submersible, did not wear shoes. You cannot wear shoes. I don't know if it's because of the hull material that it could damage the hull. I don't know. WTF. But again, that's that should be a real big indicator. I'm curious now. I, I'll that, say this because um, I read an article like one of the people that died, uh, I believe one of them was like a 19 year old kid who was still yeah. in college. Um, and he was doing, he was going on with his father and, uh, I they guess were the a Pakistani kid, family. Yeah. yeah. Pakistani family. The kid did not want to go on, uh, the, uh, the submarine. He only went on because it was father's day and he wanted to be a good son. Ew. Wow. Stand your ground, folks. Stand your ground. And see, that's one of the sad parts, right? 19-year-old kid? Yeah. Stone College had a lot. Had his whole life ahead of him. Yeah. So, you know, here's, again, this is kind of morbid, but we're going to bring this up because this is what we do on this show. Uh, At work today, there's some talk about it. And it's like, do you think these people suffered? No. Because I think at the depth, they, they, it was an explosion. The, it, the pressure. They probably suffered from anxiety to the extreme before. I, I, I don't know. No, I don't, I think, don't think so. I think this, I think this was just a very sudden. No, I mean prior to when they're like, uh, when do we go back up? No, I, I they didn't even get to the. They didn't get uh, down to the wreck. They didn't even get to the Titanic yet. They were oh. still going down and uh, yeah, they were direction. still. Oh, I didn't know that. My bad. They were still diving down, oh. and I think that 
the crushing force of the ocean that, that just disintegrated them. That's the only hope that you had is yeah that there's no suffering because the other option was like well if it got disabled and they're stuck on the bottom of the ocean alive then they just either a freeze to death uh or they asphyxiate because Mm -hmm. there's no oxygen and that's not a that's not both are pretty shitty ways to go out so sad news it's all sad and James Cameron, the director of the Titanic movie, he's been he said he's been down there several times, um, like to the to the wreck of the Titanic. Oh yeah. Um, so like he knows about like he's an expert about like people going using submarine submarines to go down to Titanic, and I saw like an interview, um, saying like, um. Once he knew, like, they lost connection, it was all over. He was like, this would never happen on the Avatar planet. Correct. <laughs> no. Yeah. He's like, I'll explain more in my 18-part fucking miniseries of Avatar. That I won't be watching. Same. No offense, but same. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that happened. You it's know, kind of been this week. Kind of been all over the news. It, it was like it was the news story this week for sure. Here's my here's uh, sweet Melissa had her hand up. Oh, I can wait. Oh well, let's let's go. I, I saw your hand. Your hand went up. Okay, so not to get into politics, but was there? This is sweet blonde Melissa speaking. Was there a? Greek ship that went down that like got poo pooed on the news because of this submarine, or did I? No, there there was um. All right, so there was a uh, poorly made migrant ship that went down the Mediterranean. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that that's all I can tell you. I mean. How people want to report it, or yeah, you know. that, that's not that's not uncommon to happen in that area anyway. Not no, discounting yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, it it happens actually. You overload off, a boat, and that's what happens. But it happens off the coast of Cuba, heading to Florida all the time. You know, right. you, you have people fleeing for their lives, or just by by any means necessary, they're going to go. So they'll you know. cobble something together. Happens to little kids in a bathtub when they're playing with their boats. Yeah, they overload it. Turns over. Right. I'm so. glad I didn't throw in the politics part. So I, I'm going to I'm going to throw this in, and then we can move on. Here's my question with this whole fucking thing: How much money was expended between the U.S. Coast Guard, the oh. U.S. Navy, the Canadian, and the French? Were out and there the French, too. yeah. The Canadian. I don't know if the Canadian Coast Guard or, or the Canadian Navy. I'm sure both. There's a lot of that, that's not free. That none of this that happened is free. Well, this is money, paid, man. Paid like what was it? Like almost a million dollars for that trip. No, I, I heard it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars was the oh. the per head cost to go down to the Titanic on oh. the Ocean Gate, whatever the hell they called this thing. That's gonna be what the you know SS Turd. Yeah. So, but th- that's the other thing, and and, and again. Not to marginalize the loss of life. The worst part is innocent people. They're gone. 
they're no longer with us because Mm of oversights and arrogance. But on, you know, the, the reality of this, this, this costs a lot of money. Yep. And who pays for it? That's the other question. And the answer, and, and the answer, uh, Melissa's question on the migrant boat, the people complained that there was not enough, uh, I guess, coverage on the migrant boat. Congratulations. You just inherited migrants in your house. So there you go. Problem solved. I solved it, everyone. Good job, Case. I'm here solving problems. That's why you're like the leader of this show. Yeah. So Detective Elliot Ness. Yeah, something like that. Oh, you're yeah. untouchable. Something like that. Wow. So moving on to the next uh, segment of our fine program. But before we do that, Casey. Yes. If our fans, mm. I think we have two or three of them tonight. School bus driver. Yay. Lady Jill. We got lots. And that's it. And uh, baby die. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, alphabet over there. Um, if they wanted to get in touch with us and anybody else who may be listening to us later in the week on Naughty Radio, how do they do that? Well, you can uh, reach us on Twitter at Beer Seats or you can email us at the show at warmbeerandcheapseats.com. And we're looking for your emails. We want your emails. Give us some input. What do you want us to talk about? You have any comments about us? Do you we don't have thin skin. We're kind of thick skin. So, do you see an album on Naughty Radio? You'd like to hear Big Ed review. He's eager to do so. That's I think he wants here. to do a lot of hip hop too. That's what I heard. I saw a Sprite commercial this afternoon before the show. It's like the fifty years of hip hop. Hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you think about what came out of the Five Boroughs. Uh, yeah, or I years. am. 50. Yeah, you already know. Yeah, you're about as street as anyone gets there, Subway. That's right, Subway. Because when I think of street, I think Subway Slam. Because there's nothing more street than performing at Birdland. (laughs) (laughs) That you you get you get your street cred. You 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 gotta yeah. It's the whitest place in New York. I, I, ironically enough, mm. go figure. So, I think that's why uh, he overdosed on heroin. Who? Bird. Uh, never mind. All right, we're Larry we're gonna Bird. get into the camera. Big yeah. Bird. yeah, Larry Bird. Nine. Is that what eight, happened to Big Bird? Seven, six, <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Subway's list. Subway, what do you got for us this week? Here we go. Ooh, that was a loud clap there. Oh, my goodness. Um, we have the top Poop 10. Pants. <laughs> uh, the top 10 greatest late night talk show host in history. Oh, in history. So the history of television. Oh, yeah, wow. The, this is going to go yeah. into another topic afterwards. Yeah. Oh, so we hey, got- Big Ed, I already know one. I, I'm going to dedicate my first pick the big ad when it's my turn okay go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. so subway so, you start us go ahead and start us on this so okay we have ten, top 10 including two honorable mentions i'll give you guys bonus points if you can figure out the two um this the uh the link is from movieweb.com movieweb.com all right um so um yeah late night talk show hosts um 
We'll start with uh, Casey because I think he has one. Big Ed, and I know you're going to agree with me. It's the Pats, Pat Sajak for the Pat Sajak show. Yeah. Wow. CBS. Whoa. His show is so good that you could get a T-shirt for about 50 cents in the Goodwill store. 50 cents. You could. Yeah. I'm still looking for that. Subway shirt. is Pat Someone Sajak on this list. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little cough. No, no. <laughs> no Pat Sajak. All right. No. All right, good try. Pat uh, Sajak's a no-go. All right, sweet Melissa, you're up next. I hope you did your homework. Um, you know, like some music homework I did a couple weeks ago. Oh, I boy. did this earlier on, and now i got to remember what I thought of. Yeah, I told you to do your homework um, uh, last week. That's uh, during the Mr. Big Ed extravaganza. We were instructed that, that, that to do. That goes home. for you too, Big Mike. I, I know. <laughs> I know. That's Subway. Like, I'll I got you. You. You'll be on deck after. Uh, I'm on deck. Oh, I got one. I got. I got a good one. I'm gonna say. Uh, Come on, there's Craig a Craig Ferguson. Wow, I like him. Craig Ferguson. Low- is not on the list. Neither is an honorable mention. Hmm. Melissa, there's some really low, 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 low lying fruit on this. And we'll, we'll once, once, once we'll get to the, well, like once we're done with the list, I'll get to Craig Ferguson in just one second. Uh, after we reveal every, everyone on the list. Okay. Okay. But yeah, big Mike. Arsenio Hall. Oh, Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall is on this list. He is number seven. Arsenio. So it's our age group who wrote the list. Uh, I don't know. We'll because, see. Uh, all right. All right. All right, Big Ed. Well, you got to go with the king, Johnny Carson. Sure. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to make a big guess. He's number one. He is number one. Yeah. Easy. I almost said it. I mean, 30 I, I probably years. named one, two, and three. One, two. All right. Um, we'll get to you in just one second. Uh, all right, Casey. Here we go. Jack Parr. Jack Parr is not on the list. What? Yeah. He's not even on mention. J- Johnny wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for Jack Parr. That's incredible. none of these guys would. I just learned about him. Jack Parr created the form act. Horseradish. I love horseradish. <laughs> Horseshit. All right. You like that too? <laughs> I guess this right, brings sweet. it right back to sweet Melissa. Um, Use the chat to help. Oh. No, Use the chat to help. She said Jimmy Fallon. That's courtesy of your friend, Lady That's Jill. her guest, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's the guest, Subway. Jimmy Fallon is on this list. He is number six. Wow. Okay. Nice. Honey says bullshit. Well, she's saying about Jack Parr. Oh, wow. I want to hear more. Uh, all right, Big Mike. What do you got? David Letterman. Oh. Hey. David Letterman. David Letterman is on this list. He is number five. Wow. Five. Wow. Wow. I thought Letterman would have been a little further up on the list. Gunny and Gump? 
Gunning gum. Same. He looks like Fine. he. Any? Have you seen Letterman's got like a super like you know like a uh, mountain cool man beard. beard? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure mountain man style. Who knew? Who knew he could do that? Who knew he could do? I that? guess he said after all the years of clean being clean shaven, he said, "Fuck this shit. I'm mm. just going. I'm going to grow a beard. I'm just going to dress up as f this ass. I'm growing <laughs> a b. There you go. All right, uh, like Big Ed. Song? No. Like no. Oh yeah, Big Ed. Did you guys say Conan O'Brien? No, you did not. No one said Conan O'Brien yet, but yeah, he is on this list. He's number two. There you go. You're two and get, three. Wow. I'll get number three next. One, two, and three. All right, uh, all right, Case. What do you got? Yeah, you know, I got uh six hundred cars in my garage, um, ah, and I'm Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Jay Leno is not on this list. What? what? <laughs> no way. How, how does no way. He ran the Tonight Show for another 20 years after Carson. That's as stupid as not having Jack Parr on the list. But, Jay, was it, didn't like Jay uh, Leno and it. David Letterman compete, like, <laughs> which one was the top show? And Jay Leno beat his ass for, like, 10 of those years. Yeah, I was about to say. That, all right, that's that's crazy. All right, all right, no Jay Leno. I mean, I was screwing around. That's like not having Led Zeppelin on your best rock band list. I was screwing around with the Pat Sajak because it was tongue in cheek. But Jack Parr and Jay Leno? Okay, go ahead. And if someone says Casey McCall, they win, okay? All right, sweet Melissa, what do you got? Okay, nobody said the other Jimmy, did they, Kimmel? Uh, no one said Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel is on this list. He is number nine. Right. Yay! Oh, well, he's on the list. On there, yeah. Uh, all right, Big Mike. Let me go obscure. Steve Allen. It's a good one. Who's that? Uh, Steve Allen is not on this list. Looking at the other not on this list, I'm not uh, surprised. You know what? There, there's another uh, guy from the seventies that a was uh, a big interview guy, but jeez, uh, big interview guy. I, I think I got a couple of sleepers, but it just would be. All right, uh, all right, big Ed. Who do who do you think is number three? Uh, you know what? What the, what's on the list? I would have thought Letterman would have been rounding out your top five, like maybe number three. Or four, you know. Yeah. Uh, how about Craig Kilborn? Oh, good choice, dude. This show was was tight. It was. Uh never heard of him, and uh, what? not on the What's list. What's the last name? Craig Kilborn. He he actually oh, he yeah. started from. Oh, he was on ESPN, and he was British. No, no, he was an American guy. Just kidding. I know the name. No, you're you're thinking of the Corbin guy. The guy that would lose CBS $20 million a year. <sighs> Lady show. Oh. Do you yeah, remember I his last that. show? Craig Kilborn's last no, show? No, 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 one, no one cost America that mon- much money since they, their tea tax. But it's not Corbin, is it? Oh. Uh, Corbin. Okay. James uh, Corbin. Corbin. Okay. Okay. Casey, <gasps> you're That was going to be my next. You think? No. Um, man, not, not with this list. I yeah. mean. Um. All right, I got I got one. One you guys. Wow. I'm just gonna. 
Uh, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace? <laughs> the James, 16 Minutes guy? Yeah. He had a late night talk show. He did? Yeah. Did like not know that. He's not on this list. You know, tell James to do that over there. I know yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah, he's not on this list. No. Okay, uh, okay, sweet Melissa. What do you got here? Oh, let me ask my friend James. James, what did I tell you again? Okay, thank you. James Corden. Uh, James Corden is an RO mention. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, for Sweet. just hemorrhaging, almost like bankrupting a company. Wait, who decided the honorable mention? You were the, 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 the people. PrivateMovieWeb.com, right? Oh. MovieWeb.com. Interesting. Okay. It, it's actually top 12, but I'm doing top 10, and James Corden is honorable mention in my list because he does not deserve to be on this list. Uh, he's number... <laughs> In the actual movie web, he link he's number eleven, meaning he's the first R.O. mention. So congratulations, sweet Melissa, you get bonus points. Ding 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 ding. Yay! I love uh, Okay, uh, Big Mike. All right, I'm gonna go on one. Um, baby die. Lady Jill and her mom T.L. threw this one out, and this is I like this one. Merv Griffin. Oh, you guys, that was my sleeper. Not on this list. Not on this list. I heard he was also kind of like pervy. Wasn't Merv Griffin a little pervy? I think you're right. What was what was the show? Um Dance Fever. Who was that on Dance Fever? Oh yeah, that Danny Terrio. Danny Terrio. I remember (laughs) watching that as a kid. If he's on the list, I'm I'm not even gonna do my retrospect, okay? Danny (laughs) Terrio. I, I think like Casey, do you remember that show? Oh, Dance, yeah. Fever? Dance Fever. You yeah. So Danny that? Terrio said Merv Griffin got fresh with him. Oh yeah. He, he, yeah. Damn. Da- Danny who? Danny Terrio. He was he like got, a, he's on this list. Danny, no, Danny Terrio can't he's be on not. this list. That was on yeah, he's that on the was list. like he's on before the news. I'm just kidding. Was, I'm just kidding. He's not he's not on the list. Don't worry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we will be having a rock and roll retrospective tonight. Don't worry. Yep. Yay. All right. Uh, all right, Big Ed. This guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking John Stewart. John Stewart is on this list. He is number yeah. four. His last name is actually Leibowitz. Big surprise. A Jewish boy. Yeah. Jewish comedian. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, go figure. All right, uh, that doesn't happen. Subway, crack that case. Let's 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 run this one out. Subway. Run it. So we we need ten, eight, and three. Carson yep. Daly. All right. So number ten, number Subway. Go ahead number with 10. number ten. John Oliver. What show? Oh, John on. Oliver. What, what? Come on. I thought he was. Come on. Whatever. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Number eight, uh, Subway. The a guy that I actually met in real life during uh, the WGA strike, Stephen Colbert. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, yeah, number he's three. way better than Jack Parr. <laughs> number three, you, you're gonna flip out. It's Trevor Noah. Ew. Who the fuck's that? Oh, he's <laughs> uh, he took over. Uh, 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 was it? Is oh, it, Trevor Noah. Wait, wait, wait. He took over for the guy that's number four all time and then took a show and buried it in the ratings where no one yeah. watched it. That's who he is. Yeah. 
Oh, and uh, there was a second. And, and gets, that's why you don't know who he is. And that's why he gets a higher. Come on, man. Letterman should have been above this jag off. Yeah. All right. Oh, Ferguson and, should have been. Yeah. Okay. I'll get to Ferguson in just one second. Once, uh, uh, and, and first uh, off, Dick Cavett. Come on, man. Come on. He was like the interview show of the 70s. Oh, and um, before. It's uh, Ed Sullivan. Oh yeah, yeah but like uh, that's more. But no, but that's prime time. Yeah, it's prime, prime time. time. That's prime more. Time. That's more of a. Uh, what do they call those shows? Those were variety variety show. shows, yeah. like the Johnny Cash show. But we're talking about yeah. late night talk show. Uh, and the last, the second honorable mention that uh, you guys could have gotten bonus points uh, was Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers. Yeah. Uh, anyways, when Fred Armisen left, it was no good. Yeah. Um, so my thing is, you like, okay, James Corden took over Craig Ferguson, but for some re- same same thing with Trevor Noah, he just shit, shit the ratings. Um, shit the bed, as we like to say here. Ever since, uh, he took over Ferguson. Ferguson well, the, the weird thing is, Craig Ferguson, half the joke of the show was they had zero budget. Right. His, his sidekick was a mechanical skeleton that talked to him uh, because they couldn't afford to have a real person, and he had no set. Craig Ferguson took a a turd and made it a a diamond. It was a so genius. he polished a turd, which he rarely did. happens. I I never really watched it, but I got into. Yeah, Craig he was Ferguson. a good show. He was a good show. Listen, and he I was, saw his and, show. He was a compassionate guy, and what what I got into him was during the time when everyone was hounding Britney Spears the first time, where uh, she had a mental breakdown, shaved her head, and then just everyone was just like uh, viscerally attacking her. Um, he opened a monologue with saying, "I'm not going to make a fun of uh, Britney," and then he told a story a personal story about he was uh, an alcoholic and he was in a bad place in his life and he was standing on a bridge looking into a river and he was going to jump. And um, that was like his rock bottom. And then he related to, you know, Brittany could be going through this thing and, you know, I, I don't feel right about it. And he's like, I'll never make fun of Brittany. And then I started watching that show every night after that. He seemed like a real genuine. He is. He was, and he was funny. He was funny, and and he was really gracious to guests on there. People that probably had no business being on the couch to have an interview, he made them interesting. He he gave them something to be fun to talk about. He made Um, him feel special. He made him feel special, and he and he wasn't a mean spirited guy. There there are a lot of people on TV. They're just mean spirited. And then James Corden came in. Uh, cause Les Moonves saw him on some shit show in, uh, in London, they're, they're, they whatever their Broadway in London is, um, oh, uh, West End. he saw him something in West End, right? And he gave him a, a, a blank checkbook and this guy hemorrhaged money for CBS and Les Moonves got fucking thrown out cause he's a piece of shit. Um, and then and his fucking wife decides, oh, I'm doing shit movies and this fucking big brother piece of fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, I can't wait till they call it Big 
transgender this year. <laughs> Are they? The, is there going to be a transgender? Why not? Why not? I can't wait for uh, Bachelorette. Yeah, you know? we're it's going to be on the Bachelorette. Yeah, the Bachelorette. Like, what do you call like a what, transgender? You, what, you're not going to give that transgender a rose? Oh, Jesus, oh boy. you're racist. Oh, no. Or whatever. Oh, oh, this is so funny. Okay. Would I'm that be sexist? Non-binary. Yeah. yeah, you're you're non-binary. Oh, God. You're not non-binary. Oh, this is... Okay, this is actually very funny because I'm reading... Uh, what is it? MovieWeb.com about, like, their little introduction uh, on their list. This says, however, perhaps most importantly, it must it must be stated that there have been some legendary classic late-night talk show hosts... To, such as Ed Sullivan, Jack Parr, Dick Cavett, Alan Carr, Merv Griffin, and Steve Allen. Without them, there may not be late night talk shows anymore, and they're and they certainly wouldn't be what they are today. My question is, if you're going to mention them, why the fuck are they not in your list? Right or, on Subway. Wow. All right, listen, Jack Parr was number one. Number one, he walked. He walked from the show. He Casey's walked. He's going to tell you a story about why Jack- we've been talking about. Well, I, I don't know. I, I I mean, it was a TV show we're watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but you know, n- not to bore everyone to tears in it. No, but it's a, it's a sayonara to that amazing show. Well, so, sort of, I guess. Um, you know, why he walk? If you don't mind me asking, no one knows. He just no one knows. Um, you know, he didn't like. There's a lot of pressure to perform. You know, as an everyday. Yeah thing to do and i i think there was a point where he just didn't want to have to live under that standard every day and then it's you know not I'm, a nine to five job it's a well look it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle no? well it's not just a lifestyle you understand he's doing a job where people who are bosses have no idea what the job is and they're giving him input Hey, don't do this. Don't have this guest on. Don't do this joke. Don't do it this way. And there are people that are not one performers or understand the audience or anything about entertainment. Welcome to and and they were uh, dictating this. And you know, Jack Parr just didn't want to be a part of it. And he just uh, I don't know. He just walked away. He walked away, and then that opened the door for Johnny Carson, which you know. Marvelous oh, Mrs. Maisel, they they kind of reference Jack Parr in the sense that he's the number one show and the Gordon Ford show. I think Gordon Ford was kind of loosely based on like a, a Johnny Carson. The, the Maisel I character think. is actually loosely based, in my opinion, a Joan Rivers. Um, there are a lot of a lot of parallels. I mean, they they could be a lot of people. And Anyways. I watched every episode, and I didn't know that, but now. I just watched the last season. He's got to be right. You know, I, I was just saying that's, and it, you know, if I was going to take away, it was a good show. It was very enjoyable. Funny, heartfelt, great cast, uh, you know, good direction. But not to have Jack Parr, because to say Johnny's the king of late night, Johnny would never be king without Jack Parr. Jack Parr. It just There's just no way. And then not to have Jane Leno, I mean – you can hate Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Jay Leno, you know, was losing the Letterman when Letterman went to CBS. Sure. Letterman was beating him, but only for the first year. Then Jay Leno never lost in the ratings ever again. The whole time they went against each other until he retired. 
I mean, they brought him. They brought Leno retired. They brought him out of retirement because they were so scared, and um, you know, pushed Conan out of the late night desk. Yeah, I mean, not not long. They didn't give him time to develop that show, but yeah, I kind of was upsetting. That was upsetting. I mean, I, I like Conan. Hey, look, yeah, Conan, he's always yeah, he's a funny guy. Conan's car- carved his own niche. Um, you know, he TBS gave him free reign to do a show. Uh, he's got a great podcast. It's really hysterical, and uh, you know, he's, the he's psychics doing his one of the funniest ever. Oh, Andy oh, yeah. Richter. Andy Richter's great. Yeah, I love Andy yeah, Richter. Yeah. He's he's pretty versatile as a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like when you talk about these late night talk show hosts, like I think sidekicks are also like very important. Like, yes. Um, like, look yes, at Johnny sir. Carson. He had he had freaking Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon's one of the greatest sidekicks. Like, he's probably the yes. greatest sidekick. <laughs> You're correct, sir. Yeah. And, 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 uh, he had like 20, 20 words a night, he'd say. What yeah, do you think Ed like, McMahon made? What kind of what good kind money? Of, good money. Yeah. Just sit there on the couch. Retired. Yeah, moved down as the as the guest came in. Also, they write people checks. Yeah. Carson would have what? I mean, Carson would have like Rickles, like I don't know, like very often, and like them three are just them three are just funny. Like straight up funny together. Uh, like uh, a lot of those uh, Carson from the seventies; those shows are out of control. You'd have like, you know, Rickles or, or, or there's a SNL sketch that kind of lampoons it a little bit. And uh, Chris Farley's supposed to be Dom DeLuise, and he keeps laughing until he wets his pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like one of the best things ever. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <He's so> not- <laughs> <laughs> and then he wets his pants. And uh, you know what? It was supposed to be there. Uh, it was when Dana Carvey used to do uh, Johnny Carson, right? On oh, uh, yeah. SNL, which was a great, great impersonation. And then, dude, Dana were, Carvey is was just great on, on SNL. Oh, he gold, was great, dude. gold. And then uh, with, I with love what he did, that, Mickey Rooney. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. three times. Yes, you know, <laughs> three decades or something, something crazy. <laughs> and you take the fist and twist, and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I think we're uh, at that time. I think yeah. we are. Let me take a yeah. sip of water real quick, guys. Oh, yeah. Take, a, take, oh, yeah. take the old sipola. Hey, sip- hey, Subway. Good list. Oh, thank you. I think we all did Good much list. better on this list than we. Well, had you definitely yeah. did. Yeah, I, I actually got on the list. It, was, yeah. it sounds like the list was written by an ill-witted person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean a retard? <laughs> Can we say retard? Yeah. Big Ed's rock and roll retrospective. Take it away, Big Ed. All right, guys. Uh, thanks. Uh, I had to take a week off, guys. It's a, it's life. Steely Dan, Can't Buy a Thrill, 1972. And if you buy this on Naughty Radio, just mention Big Ed and you'll get a good discount. Little coin in your pocket. Little change for your pocket. 
Can't Buy a Thrill is a debut studio album by the American rock band Steely Dan. It was released by ABC Records in November of 72, written by band members Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, recorded in August of 72 at Village Recorder in West Los Angeles. The album is probably one of Steely Dan's most varied, fusing soft rock, folk rock, jazz rock, and pop alongside deep meaning metaphoric lyrics. Gary Katz was the producer and worked on every Steely Dan album up through 1981 and produced Donald Fagan's solo albums. This guy Katz, he's worked with the Mamas and the Papas, Steppenwolf, Three Dog Night, Diana Ross, 10CC, Joe Cocker. Katz also, he was also a producer and an ARR guy for Warner Brothers. He was one of two people responsible for signing Prince, Dire Straits, Christopher Cross, and Ricky Lee Jones. He also had his hand in discovering and signing Joe Cocker, Chaka Khan, Rufus, and Jimmy Buffett, just to say uh, name a few. Rolling Stone, big surprise, James Isaacs said, Camp Fire Thrill is distinguished by three top-level cuts and scattered moments of inspiration, but felt the band occasionally sounded limp. Cream's Robert Christgau, on the other hand, said it deemed the package a hit single with a good album attached, and said he found the lyrics oblique, even philosophical as befit a band named after a dildo in a William Burroughs novel. Other reviews cited that it was surprising to hear that it was their debut album. The album peaked at number 17 on the Billboard 200. After its release in November of 72, it went gold in May of 73 and certified platinum in September of 1993. Two singles, Do It Again and Reeling in the Years, which can be heard regularly, regularly at any given time on any classic rock format. You got 10 tracks, clocks in at 40 minutes and 57 seconds. Perfect uh, attention span from uh, Big Ed here. Steely Dan, you have Jeff Skunk Baxter on guitar, pedal steel guitar, spoken Spanish at the end of track five. Walter Becker, bass guitar, co-lead vocals on track 10 and backing vocals. You got Denny Diaz on uh, guitar and electric sitar. Donald Fagan, piano, electric piano, plastic organ, uh, lead vocals all except tracks two, four, and eight, and also did the backing vocals. Jim Hodder, drums, percussion, lead vocals on track four and backing vocals. David Palmer, lead vocals on track two and eight, co-lead vocals on five, nine, and ten, and he also did backing vocals. And they had additional musicians. They had their own uh, backup singers, Clyde King, Sherilyn Matthews, Bernetta Fields. Uh, Snooky Young on the flugelhorn and a flugelhorn it looks like a it looks like a like a coronet like a trumpet but i think it's something to do with being in b flat instead of c sharp or i don't know it's too technical uh we start the journey with track one do it again with a slow tempered samba style beat with assorted percussion to include bongo lays out the intro we have donald fagan on lead with the smooth, sultry stylings of soft rock and a real nice guitar work by Jeff Skunk Baxter and Danny Diaz with the electric sitar. Probably gives a sound not usually heard in rock and roll at that time. Dirty Work starts out like a real working man song and the lyrics and highlights depict it. David Palmer on lead vocals and great harmony support on the chorus by Fagan Becker and drummer Jim Hodder. And then if you listen, you get Jerome Richardson blasting away on tenor sax. The next track is Kings. It's a slow moving but building piano intro from Donald Fagan, which later into electric piano. I like Fagan's vocals. 
he has this sad or distressed sound in his vocal delivery. This is a song that really separates Steely Dan from other bands of that era. This is dedicated uh, and is dedicated back in vocals. Midnight Cruiser, nice soft licks by Skunk Baxter. And we have Jim Fodder, the drummer, singing the lead vocals with everyone else backing him on the chorus. Fodder doing double duty because he has a handful of tight fills also. Only a Fool Would Say That, a real jazz-type song with Becker and Fodder doing co-lead uh, co co vocals. You can hear Skunk Baxter with the Spanish spoken word at the end. Reeling in the ears. I mean, everybody's heard this one. I love the lyrics to this one. They're all one-liners, little zings to the protagonist of this song with lyrics like, you've been telling me you're a genius since you're 17, and all the time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. I love that line. A great guitar solo by Elliot Randall during the bridge. Fire in a Hole, a real jazz-inspired song. The piano says it all. I think the piano itself could tell the story without the lyrics. It's a nice slow jazz rock song. Brooklyn, oh, is the charmer under me? Jim Hodder and the dedicated backup singers do all the vocals, and this is done in the now Steely Dan style. Skunk Baxter plays the pedal steel uh, guitar. A sad song of feeling the world owes you something. Change of the Guard. Little more uplifting song than the last one. This is more about turning things around into a more positive light. A simple mid-tempo song in comparison to the other complex pieces on this album. Turn that heartbeat over again. This is a Donald Fagan vocal. This unique sound and delivery. The chorus is a plea to Michael the Archangel to keep him alive and avoid hell. Jim Hodder does not get enough credit for his crisp beats and quick time changes and builds. I don't think I ever mentioned the styling and riffs of Walter Becker on bass. He's a real motivator and big contributor to this track and, and all the album others. So in closing, you know, I really like this album. I had never listened to it before. I did know Reeling in the Years, Do It Again, and Dirty Work, but I didn't know they were off the same album. I never would have known. I had no idea, let alone being the debut album. So all new respect for these guys. To come out with heavy rock and roll was exploded, and here comes Steely Dan with the more contemporary jazz-fused rock, uh, written storied lyrics with crafted and structured music that goes along with the lyrics and works outside the box and did it their way. Donald Fagan delivers his lyrics with his soul, and Skunk Baxter is on Parallel Universe with Fagan and Becker. I give this three Montecitos, only because Big Ed has grown into this style of music where the Duke boy of Nesikov needs something along the lines of Little Dreamer to stay motivated. After all, you cannot listen to Do It Again, chasing Larry Koch down 50 Acre Road doing 85 in a general league. I'm Big Ed. Listen and enjoy. See, I'm, I'm in your camp. This was like not a band that I was like crazy about growing up, but as I got older. But it was there. You know what I mean? It was always there. It was, look, um, like... Meaning, like, on the air. You're not like, yeah, you could oh, have yeah, went out yeah. and bought it. But, I mean, it, without even trying, you heard it. Oh, yeah, for sure. But as I got older, I, I don't know, I really grew to appreciate this band. Right, they and, grow and, on you. You know, honestly, I got in this band more because I got into Michael McDonald. And then mm. Michael McDonald would work with this band from time to time. You they know? do a lot of backup. Yes, yes, you know. I would like to say Steely Dan's more of a grower and not a shower. <laughs> yes. I, I like this album, but I mean, think about it. I mean, as a, it's a, it's such a fully formed sound for a debut album. You know, you, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, there aren't too many. 
And it came no. out at a time where rock and roll was like kind of, you know, you hear people saying rock was dead after the 60s, but it wasn't. It was just getting started. There's a lot of heavy rock that started developing at that time, you know. But they were doing their own thing, though. Yeah, that was what's amazing. And they carved the niche early on. I mean, in, in the early 70s. When and it was and all, think about When it was this. all happening. They, and all right, so this album came out, what was it, 73, 74, this album? 72. All right, 72. I think like two or three years later, they're like, you know what? We're not touring anymore. We're a studio band. And they didn't tour for a long time. And if they would play a show, it was like a random show or not. They they did not tour for like hmm. about 20 years. They just strictly just put out albums. They were strictly a studio album or, or, or a band. Yeah, it wasn't until the 90s they started uh, you know, touring. Plus, there were so many musicians that played on these albums. You know, there were a lot of, you know, with the exception of maybe of Skunk Baxter. Yeah, because basically, I mean, Steely Dan is like, you know, it's like Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor. Well, Steely Dan is Fagan and Becker. You know, in, in an essence, they, they, they write and cultivate a majority of it. You know, I'm sure there was input from the other guys that they would bring in. Um. But I mean, they're they're the heart and soul of Steely Dan. Yeah, I would say so. So there's no Dan. No. Um, I think the story or has a Steely to do with um, Melissa. There's no Steely okay. either. Uh, a lady's pleasure device is yeah. So it's Steely like Dan. A, uh, yeah. Really? Nice. Yes. You know what? You need to go on. And just type in albums of 1972 and look what these guys competed with. I'm, I'm not going to name There's Neil Diamond, Hot August Night, Black Sabbath, Volume 4, Temptations, you know, the Almond Brothers, Genesis. There's, there's all kind. I mean, Thick as a Brick came out that year. Uh, I'm looking at Stan, Steely Dan Camp. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a Stones. The I'm sure there's a Stones album, yeah, there's a, a Who Stones. album, uh, David Bowie. A pink Deep Ford, purple. Dark, Elton John. Was it Dark Neil Side of the Moon seventy two? Uh, yeah, maybe seventy three. But yeah, Stevie yeah. Wonder. I mean, I'm looking at Al Green, David Bowie, Stevie Wonder. Two albums. So Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Case. Yeah, that kind of yeah, that kind of set the tone for the set. Hey, yeah, that's a good one. The yeah. the. I, damn, I fucked up. I was gonna do, do my little bit, you know. Uh, you yeah, yeah. you and what producer? Yeah. Uh, Carl Katz. Yeah, that's a yeah. good producer. You and what Rolling Stones album? Uh, yeah. Exile on Main Street. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good album. That's, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you and the soundtrack album. to Superfly came out too. <laughs> I, I actually, in my record collection downstairs in Studio C, there is the Superfly album. Ooh, I do possess that. Do you think it's why Steely Todd Rundgren, Rod Stewart, Pete so Townsend, Mata to Hoople? Oh my god, Superfly, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I love Superfly Snuka, dude. I love Jimmy Chicago Five. Does anybody oh, in listener land deep, agree? Deep Purple Machine Head. Yeah, yeah. John Yoko plays the guitar. Yeah. about Doobie Brothers, Toulouse Street, Beach Boys? Did McCartney and Talking Book? That's a good one. Stevie. Because I'm sorry, there's Subway. 
was did McCartney also do uh drop an album seventy two or Wings or was that uh, well I don't think they called it drop an album in seventy two. Sorry, there. I don't did think that release, was the terminology. Did they release an album in seventy two or or was that the year later? Because when was Ben on? No, the he at that time he was still just releasing stuff uh, on SoundCloud in nineteen seventy two. Oh my. Okay. Uh, yeah, because when did Ben on the Run was seventy three, correct? Or I believe so. Okay, so not yet. No, but uh, I think I think Ringo beat them to it. I think he might have had an album that year. I think Ringo was Ringo the first had band. the first number one hit after the sure Beatles. Did. Sure did out of the four. It wasn't John. Oh. No. Nope. No, not even my sweet lord. Nope. Ringo uh, no, Starr. Paul Simon. It like I think it's, you're 16. You're beautiful. Oh no, I I think it's uh no 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 I think uh the the first song it was uh it don't come easy. Yes, maybe it was that. It was one of those two. I, uh, that was from the those were um the same album those two songs but I think the first one is uh, it don't come easy. There's an actual single. Paul Simon released an album in 72, correct? Or sure did. Yes. Yeah. Self-titled. Yep. Yeah. It had Kodachrome, right? Uh, I think so. Kodachrome. And it was in Kodachrome. Yeah, yes. I think you're right. Yeah, he, he did. I remember um, that. Kodak really appreciated the... Uh, J.J. Cal? The plug. Oh, oh no, guys on this the, one. The, the Hoople. There goes... Sorry, wrong album. That's... uh, Was it... Alice Cooper Julia. School's Out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. That's uh, his debut. Okay. Or no, second album. Okay. Every time I hear that song, it it just brings me back to uh, uh, the Eat a Peach. No. Well, uh, first off, that's a another. No, uh, a movie. The uh, me and Julio down at the schoolyard. I I think of uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. But that's just me. In the the quirky movie universe of uh, Wes Anderson, anyone see any uh, good movies lately? There's uh, some interesting stuff coming out. Looks like some raunchy comedies are coming out this summer. What raunchy um, comedies do we have? There's one with Jennifer Lawrence that looks really funny. It's and I think it's done by the same people that did the uh, the one with the kids, where they're yes, they yes, Wes Anderson, right? What? No. no. Well, Wes Anderson does have a movie. I think it just came out this week called Asteroid City. Yes. Um, and then. Good Boys. Yeah, the, the, the people that did Good Boys. Is Asteroid City's about oh. aliens? Is that what it's about? No. Or is it a- I, thought um, it was, I, I thought he did that. That was his movie. No, 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 no. He's not, I, he's oh, not a raunchy it? guy. He's not a raunchy kind of comic uh, movie guy. He did Royal Tenenbaums. Um, oh, no hard Rushmore. feelings. Yeah, no hard feelings. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Looks funny. Looks funny. Yeah, I heard it was funny. Yep. Oh, looks funny. We shall see. 
Hey, uh, so Big Ed, so we we did Steely Dan. What do you um, we, what do you think of next week? I know you gave me some albums. I haven't even taken really uh, a hard look at them. No, that's fine. I, first, I got to go see if they're on Woody. So let me, I, I didn't even look. I, I I think I had bought those before we had this epiphany. You know, like why not do those? You know. Yeah, let's see if we can get them added to his. Uh, well, we can um, see they they could be on there because he's got a lot of oddball shit on on yeah. there. I noticed he had some Fugazi on there. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Hey, Fugazi, dude. Fugazi. That's a real real punk rock. Not that green. Day. I, I like to say the word Fugazi. It's not. It's not that like people like I like punk music, and then they tell you their favorite punk band's Green Day. Um. Those Is that too mainstream? I, I punch people like that in the face. Yeah, yeah. They're those people. Their favorite ice cream is uh, pralines and dick. Mmm, delicious. Yeah. And a, and a, well, and a they think so. Cone. Yeah. Yay! I'm more of a vanilla guy myself. Kind of stay away from pralines and dick. Well. Then you'll love Fugazi. All right. They're, they're like the Chris Christopherson of punk music. All right. I can appreciate that. You know, they're they're really cutting edge and defining stuff. The, just not, the vanilla version of punk they're, rock? They're just not rolling over and taking it in the, the B-hole right there in Nashville. That'd be the butthole. <laughs> the vanilla <laughs> version of punk rock is the classic. For those who are wondering... Butthole, <laughs> the, the old uh, butthole, <laughs> the old <laughs> butthole, the old cow butthole, cow butthole. Oh boy! Oh man, that could be a catchphrase. I think I think that's the catchphrase of the summer. Cow butthole, cow butthole. Casey, last summer, that last summer was butthole. shit up, dick. Now it's cow butthole. Is that the name of tonight's episode? Who knows? Could be. You, you never know. But let me tell you. Cowboy. That, that could be another T-shirt. It could be. <laughs> we need to start, like, seriously. We need, You know what? I could call him. He's got T-shirts. I, I got to call him. I haven't Who? talked to the, the, uh, my, my T-shirt guy. I worked, oh, okay. with, uh, I worked with Thover down at Kissimmee. Yeah, let's see. Look, we already have a website we can market it on. You know? With Naughty? With Naughty? We talk to the captain? You have a website, too. Yeah, but I'm not set up the merchandise. Uh, and, you know, the foot traffic is horrible there. I mean, he's already got something set up to merchandise. I wonder if we can get our uh, Poco mm. album show portrait done. Well, someone's oh, sitting there and listening. Yeah, She needs yeah. a picture of you, though. I, I can She's hard to get motivated. <laughs> She's hard to motivate. Yep. Brand new. Yeah, shit up, dick. Shit up, uh, dick. Press. Do we get to shit have up. input on what we wear and what we have? Die, let me know. Yeah. I'm going to send a picture now. Yeah, cow a butthole, dude. Cow a butthole, dude. <laughs> cow a butthole. See, all right, look. I mean, <laughs> it's summertime. There, There's always the, the movie yeah. of the summer. The song of the moon, uh, song, song of the summer, song of the summer, a drink of a summer. Sometimes, like, what's a drink of a summer? Look, David, I'll drink tell of you, nineteen ninety six is Wild Cherry Pepsi. Really? I'll, I'll I'll defend that to my death. 
Summer of '96. You drank what? that in ni- the summer of '96 till I pooped a lot, <laughs> and then I never drank it ever again. Wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a poop-inducing cola? Oh, you, that that had, that had lactive effects. When I have like a six pack in the afternoon. <laughs> what what, sure what did this to you, Case? I pooped a lot one day. From what? They got wild cherry Pepsi. Yeah, I, made I, mean, I probably had poop. like six of them in the afternoon. And <laughs> yep. It's the glue. Can't be any worse than Forrest Gump had about 14 Dr. Peppers. I had 14 oh, Dr. Peppers. He sure did. And that, that's and not all. They, they said, I, all I, the I got a billion dollar movie. Like I never saw a Nickelodeon. in a tree in front of like Lyndon Johnson or something. He did that? Or I don't know. He, he, he like, showed his ass. They he got shot in the ass, ass and he, go, he goes, they told me there was a million dollar wound. I never saw a dollar, a penny of that or a dollar. No, he said, I, I never, Army must keep that money. I never <laughs> saw a nickel of that money. <laughs> he drank the fuck out of some Dr. Peppers. I can't blame him because Dr. Pepper's pretty good. Never made me poop. Ah, oh, man. No, on the Dr. Pepper? But, but again, going back, there's a drink of the summer. And sometimes a catchphrase is something. Uh, a butthole. A cow is, is, is catchphrase in the summer. I think we. I think we, every now and again, I, I get I connect on one and hit it out the park. That's right. Again, you know what just was, caught, you know what just caught my eye? It's a band we don't ever talk about, but it's probably one of the greatest bands in history. Okay. That is the Beatles. Let it be. Oh, oh yeah. I dig well, a pony know. sometimes. Well, it's uh it's an emotional album. It's a good one. It's on the naughty. And you can buy it on naughty radio. Just mention the word big ed and get your uh save some coin, coin saving discount. And the money you save you can spend at the Montecito. Yes. Yes, the circle of life. That's how it goes. Or when we get our merch, you can get our cow butthole T-shirt. Yes. Or or that shirt that is like Poco with our portrait with our portraits on it with with Petey or Repeaty in yeah, the place of the dog. It doesn't yeah. matter. They look the same. Do they look the same? They didn't really look the same, but they're yeah. frogs. So yeah. Repeaty will probably more end up active, looking but... like the. F- oh, go ahead. Dude, Repeaty just disappeared, though. Maybe some shit went down. Maybe. Maybe got. I don't maybe know. Look, maybe witness, the Mexican witness, witness protection. Maybe oh. the Mexican lobster. Oh no, not the Mexican lobster. Listen, I don't know about he's you guys, dead. but I he's, listen. He's dead. Lobster. He, he didn't. He didn't take. No, he didn't dead. die because he just contacted me, the Mexican lobster, and he mm-hmm. he might want to call into the show next week. Oh. I don't know. Uh-oh. The other the other fish seem to enjoy a, a little uh, lobster. Club. Well, I don't know, Big Ed. I think the Mexican lobster, like, you might be in the witness protection program. Oh, Could yeah. be. Because he did reach out to me. Maybe, okay. Uh, maybe, and and uh, he wanted me to keep this on the down low, but I can't. Well, he did a good so, job because the other fish cleaned up. <laughs> hey, Mexican oh. lobster, if you're listening, which I know he is, please call in next week. Oh boy! Yes, I bet. Uh, I bet PD is uh, flirting for a squirting right now. Oh, that's our. That's the. That's the. That's a T-shirt. See, all right. what were some hey, of our other t-shirt. t-shirt ideas? Countdown. Yes, 
Oh, that shit up dick with the frog. That's the original. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take Mercedes to Poundtown after this episode. I, I definitely have to. Yeah. I, don't know. I think I definitely Does have the, to. Does the ultimate Karen know this is happening? Yeah, he's going to um, be in room town. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to be playing uh, Dick Cavett in the background. Mm. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real motivator. Yeah. That gets my, uh, Antenna. All right, it's settled. Beatles, let it be. I can't believe Beatles? we've gone two years without doing a Beatles album. Or a that, punch that a clown. <laughs> a punch a clown. What? Punch the clown. Punch the clown. <laughs> All right. Is that is that is that your script tonight? Punch a clown. I don't think your writer wrote that. <laughs> oh, don't don't ad lib. Am I right or am I right? All right. I, I think this is oh, where yes. we're <laughs> I think this shit's coming off. You are correct, sir. That means we're out of here. You're correct, sir. Keep the shiny side up. Greasy side down. Hey, we never mentioned Tom Green. He's a great talk show host, too, by the way. Very Canadian. See you again. Peace. Peace.